Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc, Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on Power Your Life. And I'm Dr. Joanne White, and it's always a pleasure to be here. And we are coming to the end this year of Women's History Month when we are here to celebrate women who have made so much differences in our lives, in our history, in the way that we live, that we think, that we act, and so many other ways that have helped women and all of us in terms of equality and just strides in science and health and so many other ways that are so important, music, and making a difference, really making a difference. And it's important that we celebrate women as well as men, but this is our month, okay? And I have a dear friend and colleague who's going to help us with that, and I celebrate all of her wonderful things that she's done over the years, and I'm talking to Shirley A. Williams, who is a personal professional growth and empowerment coach. She's also a certified leadership coach, a certified diversity consultant, and a trainer and a licensed volunteer chaplain, and she is also the president of Leadership in Action, LRC. Her knowledge of business management and professionalism is Excuse me, is supported by over 20 years of both practical leadership experience with corporations, nonprofits, universities, community, as well as faith-based organizations. And her areas of expertise also include staffing, recruiting, evaluating processes, knowledge management, as well as implementing change. Shirley Williams has also worked with and facilitates workshops for many nonprofits as well as community outreach organizations and is an internationally published co-author contributing to over 15 self-help books and excitingly working on her own independent book, which I can't wait to see. And she has so many recognitions by the Lydia Circle, of Christian Businesses and Professional Women. She received the Spirit of Deborah Leadership Award, the Wayne State University Leadership Development Award, and the Professional Women Network Diversity Ambassador Award, as well as the Literary Award for her writing contributions to the PWN International Library. Wow. Welcome, Shirley Williams. Pretty impressive there, how are you? Well, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. We get to take a moment out in time to be selfish and talk about women for a change. And that's so important, right? It is right yes. for a change. We you know so during the very our um, needs, and so today we can talk about those needs. Very, very important during the um, Oscars. 
Amy Schumer. There were actually three female co-hosts, and Amy Schumer said, this time the Academy hired three women to host because it's cheaper than hiring one man. It got some laughter. <laughs> I know. And, but, so but true. So there's true. some truth to it, and let's talk about that a little bit. So how does that strike you? Well, you know, women are still competing after all of this uh, time that, you know, we've been out there in the workforce for decades, yet they, uh, it seems that we still cannot uh, sh- prove our value and worth is equal to men. Uh, one of the reasons I think that happens is because if you really look at the percentage of women who have a seat at the table, when we're negotiating salaries and talking of, you know, the decision-making table. You know, when it comes down to the decisions for the organization and what's good, no matter if it's in politics, if it's in corporate America, or any entity that you have a mixed gender environment, very few women are seated at the leadership table. And so until we uh, increase those numbers, Again, it will be very uh, difficult to get someone to understand the value and our worth because so many people minimize that. You know, that's so important. And many, many years ago, believe it or not, it was thought that women's brains were, because sometimes they're smaller, were, were less, potent let we were less intellectual we had less brain power iq whatever than men which is as you and i both know it has nothing to do with it it's so not so and even in sports i mean women have have done so many things in different sports that are equal to men and yet even there the differentiation in terms of salary, even in terms of recognition, isn't exactly heralded and in the same way it is for men. As we're discussing this, I, I, what's coming to my mind is, you know, years and years ago, uh, we used to often talk about breaking the glass ceiling, you know, and it seems like we have uh, kind of brainwashed ourselves into believing that that ceiling is no longer there, but it is still very much intact, that glass ceiling. And, you know, as women, the uh, the interesting thing is, is when we look at the elections and different things like that, uh, women are valued then. So it goes back to the intellect uh, point that you just made, is like, uh, I don't believe that it is understood that the intellect is across the board, even how they pander to us during the election, we're not smart enough to see that you still don't value us unless it is to your benefit. Well said. And so, and unfortunately, you know, it's still very true. And then to add insult to injury, we've come across this pandemic that, that has swept the globe for the last two-plus years. And... <clears throat> Everybody really had a very difficult time with this, but I believe, and you do too, we've discussed it, that women have have really been affected a lot. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Well, 
the pandemic, as you pointed out, it really uh, challenged us all, and it impacted all of us. However, I do believe that women were impacted more because women, by nature or by design or whatever the reason is, we still, even when we have our careers, we still have a lot more that we're juggling than men because we're juggling the family. And so during the pandemic, women, yes, they allowed you to work from home, but your kids were at home, so you had to be a pseudo-teacher, okay? Then you had to try to re-educate your kids that just because you're home doesn't mean it's vacation time, and you still have to get the work done, and if you have conference calls and that, a kid is coming in and they've got their issues because you're there. And then the other thing is that women, during the pandemic, uh, we found ourselves not only juggling the career, the family, but we were caregivers to our senior, uh, you know, to our parents, which was another challenge on top of it all. And still you had to make sure you were that cook and you were that bottle washer and you were doing the laundry, and all of those things had to be done within an eight-hour span. So more women experienced the burnout from the uh, pandemic. And I was reading an article about how many women had suffered from burnout and just mental health issues uh, were compromised during, you know, they were compromised by that during the uh, pandemic. So, you know, again, women, we juggle a lot of balls in the air, and uh, again, it's hard to place value on that or feel valued in those roles because it's not given to us. So very true. And not only that, a lot of women kind of during that time, if they had if they had jobs, like you said, that they were working jobs and working at home, but oftentimes many women have lost their jobs because because some of them really had to make a choice. Exactly. And the choice had to be, well, is it job or is it family for some? And what do you choose? Your kids are going to school, your husband, you know, so so oftentimes that choice was, well, I'm going to have to give up my my work, my my job, my salary, and that has hurt a lot of people as well. Now, you have been a caregiver for your husband as well as your mom. Do you want to speak a little bit to that? Well, I um, just want to say that it's a big job in capital letters. Um, It is a challenging job. It is an emotionally draining job. And there are days when you feel that you're going to lose it uh, because really what it is when you really think about it is that when we care for people at home, we don't have nursing skills, we don't have health care worker skills, and it is a job that is packed with, uh, there is no on-the-job training, it is just you're just winging it, and it is packed with so much emotion and responsibility that you then start doubting your own capabilities, your own sanity, your own worth, and even doubt whether or not you have what it takes to get this job done. And 
there are many mistakes that are made along the way because you are not in the health care, you know, health care environment. And it's not something that you can take a crash course in because it is usually an unexpected event that puts you in that position. So it's a challenging job. And for myself, I was caregiving between my mom and my husband for about 12 years. And uh, I can say that my husband groomed me for the journey that I would have to take with my mother to some degree, but my husband's was more of a issue with his actual health, and my mother's was uh, Alzheimer's. And even in those two roles, the caregiving um, responsibilities are greatly different. Uh, with my mother, I became her mother. Uh, my husband was able to tell me if he was hungry or if he was sick and my mother was unable to do so and to just watch her decline. It was more heartbreaking because it was an eight-year journey. And with my husband, it, his uh, death happened over a two-year period of time. And so all I can say is caregivers out there, keep the faith. You're more careful, you're more capable than you realize you are, and you will find that you will develop incredible strength, and the experience itself will help you to take a whole new perspective on life and what's important. And that's my final message on that. You know that's so very true. I too was a caregiver for my mom, and and she had she had Alzheimer's, and there was a point where she would call me say yes mommy so again exactly. i was the mother too exactly. and it's and it's very hard and like you said we get stronger and what's also important is is that you also as the caregiver and there are men caregivers too so we're not we're not saying that you you haven't done your share many men are caregivers but oftentimes as you said the role is primary one to the female not only is it one of developing strength, it's also, I mean, at the end, I was very, very tired, exhausted, because and, and, you, you have to sacrifice a lot. I was working, too, as well as you were during that time. Mm-hmm. And at the end, even though there was a sense of relief a little bit, because my mother was really deteriorating and it was very difficult to see her that way, I also felt very blessed that I had that opportunity those last years to be the one to be the caregiver and to give her what she needed and that's always going to stay with me in in you know throughout my journey and that's important so we're going to switch I have, to, I have to agree with you on that point is that if I had to choose that route again I would still choose that because in the end there is a certain feeling of peace that comes with it. But the other issue about caregiving that I found is uh, one of the things that we have to overcome is this belief that taking care of ourselves is selfish. And so I always tell people self-care is never selfish because it equips you for the job that you have to do. And being a person who was brought up in a a very – strong Christian environment, 
one of the things, you know, the Bible always tells us that we put others before us and different things like that. And so that was a big challenge for me because I felt like somehow or another I was uh, uh, disappointing God when I felt frustrated or when I felt extremely tired or even angry because you myself I found myself angry and that anger was more towards my siblings and my other family members that nobody stepped up to the plate but as I said the whole experience really helps us to grow and what I began to realize is that everybody wasn't equipped for the job and everyone you know just could not handle it and so I learned to not look at it from that anger standpoint, but to just look at it and just say everyone was not equipped. And so I was the one who stepped up to the plate. I I felt I had to be equipped, and that's the thing. But please, I encourage all the caregivers out there, make time for yourself. I often laugh and say that I would go on uh, these excursions and fool myself like I was going on some kind of exotic vacation (laughs) and all it was was to get a neighbor or someone to sit with my mother for about an hour and a half to two hours to run to Walmarts and run and just walk through the store and that was an escape for those two hours when I would do that so take care of yourselves because it is a very um, strenuous difficult emotional challenge and that's so true. But not only when you're a caregiver, it is important to take care of yourself. Yes, it's important to help and support others, but you can't do that if you're not in good health, if you're suffering from depression, if you're going through things yourself because you're not taking care of what you need to do for you. And they even say on the airplane that that if you need to put an oxygen mask on, make sure that you do that for yourself because you're not going to be able to help anybody else that may need that, that's sitting next to you, that's a friend or a family member, if you don't do that for yourself first. This is so true. This is so true. Right. That's key. So um, there have been some incredible women, Amelia Earhart in history, Amelia Earhart, Marie Curie, Rosa Parks, Susan B. Anthony, Dr. Mae Jamieson, who's the first American physician and the first Afro-American female astronaut, and Frank, Maya Angelou, Eleanor Roosevelt, Harriet Tubman, so many. I, I mean, I can go on and on and on. And there have also been women that even though they had some incredible roles in history because they were partnered with men, their roles seemed less than or they weren't even the ones that were honored and celebrated for their contributions. And it's really, really important because, again, women have helped us with our liberty, our safety, our prosperity, our science, our health. So many areas, music, so many areas that have affected and that still affect our lives. And we have to just take a moment out to celebrate women across the board as well as celebrating ourselves. And I'm not just talking about women. I think it's important to honor and to celebrate who you are, 
that doesn't mean you're you're the most famous person in the world or you have to do the the most fantastic things. It means even celebrate the small victories that you go through on a daily basis or a weekly basis or a year basis. Don't discount what you do and honor yourself because it's really, really important to do so. Now, you and I were talking the other day about the difference between women and men, and, and we touched on it a little bit today in terms of salaries and in terms of what's going on. And you, as an Afro-American woman, have also experienced that in the workforce. But look at all you do. How has that impacted you? Well, uh, interestingly enough, what I feel blessed for is that I was out there in that workforce uh, in the 70s when it was cool to smoke. I remember Virginia Slim's, uh, what was that commercial, You've Come a Long Way, Baby, and they had the cigarette (laughs) in their hand as they were spouting that message. But um, I do believe that we have come a long way. And when I say we, I am speaking of African-American and women because, see, we so often as a society, we separate into these groups and these little silos. But the reality is that I have been affected on both the female side as well as the African-American side. And what I can say is that the pain for me has been the same on either front, okay? But it might be more magnified because I have a double dose of, you know, discrimination or or whatever ism you want to throw out there, you know, feminism or racism, but they're all equally painful when and you I, are subjected to it. I'm I sorry, certainly go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I, I certainly agree. I think that's so important. Now, you mentioned, and this is so true, that we're caregivers, and maybe not just when, <coughs> excuse me, when we're taking care of just one person. It seems like that that's our role. That's maybe maybe that's just how we've been brought up to believe about ourselves, and what our role is in nurturing our families and nurturing our communities and nurturing other people. What do you think is is a takeaway for that, both for men and women? Well, for women, I would say that you were right on point, that we were actually designed to be the nurturers. Uh, one example is we carry the child. We deliver the child. Uh, there's great pain in that process, yet women do it multiple times, and my hat goes off to those who who go and have five or six kids because that process takes a toll on your body. However, I think that because of the nurturing design, that because of the fact we were designed to be nurturers, that that's one of the reasons that we often get discounted because we were supposed to be the care the caregivers. We're supposed to be the one that's more emotional, the one that keeps things together, the one that the glue, if you will. Whereas 
you know, throughout throughout history, the men were the providers. And so I think that what happens is that men are challenged. And when I was growing up, that was one of the things that my mother used to always say to me is, you know, the woman, she takes care of the house, and the husband is supposed to be a provider. So look for a good provider, someone capable, you know, when you marry. And so I think that, again, it has to do with the seeds that are planted in our spirits. But now going back to that, what we also recognize is that we can, we as human beings have multi, we're we're multifaceted people. So you can still be that nurturer, but you can still go on that job and you can nurture those employees, you can nurture your staff and your clients because that's what customer service is all about, nurturing the clients and meeting their needs. So when we talk about the difference in the makeup, the men, they come out and they're supposed to be, remember, they're built for strength. They're stronger than we are as far as picking things up and whatnot. And so I think that's what people look at is that when they talk about the strength, they may, you you know, you mentioned earlier about the intellect. Maybe they equate strength with intellect. Could very well be. Years ago, I was the executive director of a children and youth services program um, at Bancroft, and I was hired. I was the first woman hired as an executive director, and basically the, the rest were men. And I sort of had to kind of shift gears a little bit, you know, dress a little differently, act a little different for a while, because until I was able to come to into my own and be yes. respected and accepted as a woman with my own way of doing things and handling things and whatever. But, but it was like a woman doing this job? Really? I mean, nobody and, said that out loud, but there were <laughs> undertones and... And and things that are, that you could see that people kind of doubted that ability, and I think we always had to prove ourselves that we could be as strong, we could be as intellectual, we could be as competent as our male counterparts in positions, leadership positions, and that's really important. And it's now, interesting that it's interesting you say that because. When we talk about the strength, you know, we look at it in the brute sense. And then when we talk about nurturing, really when you think about it, that's the feelings piece of it, okay, the emotional piece of it. And uh, when you were talking about how you had to dress the part, I think that back in uh, that time, uh, one of my mentors happened to be a, a white male, and he knew the job that I wanted, and he was the one who said to me that, number one, you have to associate yourself with the people you want to become. Well, at that time, I wanted to go into sales, and there were certainly uh, no minorities, well, there were, I'm sorry, no minority females in the sales group, but everyone else you know, they did not look like me. And so what happened is 
I started looking like you made that point so well. Um, I started looking at how they were dressing. I started dressing differently. And then I started kind of engaging more with them because his message to me was that if I could go in and assimilate, eventually people would look at me as though they would forget that I was not one of them. Now, I found that offensive at the time, but I have to tell you that I took his advice and I was able to move through the organization and get a promotion and a promotion and a promotion because the difference was was I, all I did was just change how I dressed. I know. It's amazing, right? <laughs> and they looked at me totally different, okay? And, you know, I think that, again, one of the reasons that we have so much difficulty and so much anger and frustration in the world today is that we don't look at each other and have real conversations. We're so tense about what I can say to you. That's what I love about your relationship and my relationship is that, you know, we're very transparent and there is no judgment there. And that's and we such have a beautiful thing. I really, I really appreciate that between the two of us, and that's so special. You know, you said something in terms of caregiving that that it's it's more of an emotional and and all of that as well. But but it takes strength. It really takes strength every single day, no matter how tired you are, and this is true of a lot of people, not only caregivers, you have to get up, take care of yourself, take care of the person that you're caregiving, even if it's a day that you would rather stay in bed or do something else. And you have to have the mind stre- the mindset and the inner fortitude, strength to be able to do so day after day and oftentimes you're not, you can't complain. Who do, who do you complain to? I mean, you don't complain to the person that you're caregiving. You just do what you have to do because of your commitment, your relationship, your vows, the way you feel about what your role is, what your job is, and that's so very, very important. So we are emotionally strong <laughs> and more. That's so important. So, well... And, and that's part of the feeling surely, uh, loneliness, pardon me. Sorry, go ahead. What did you say? That that's also part of that loneliness feeling is that, like you said, no matter how I feel today, I still have to report to work. And there's nobody I can call. I can't call in sick. I mean, I just have to find the strength. And, you know, for that, I and that's why I said I have no regrets uh, you know, about the time spent, because I feel I'm stronger for it. And I totally agree, and I think that's so important that we grow in strength through through those experiences, and often through many experiences that we go through, whether it's a male or a female. You and I were talking the other day that that at different points in our lives, we as females, women, want different things. Would you care to expand on that a little bit? Well, the the thing is that what I've learned is, as I've grown older, that some of the stuff that was really important to me is no longer important. Like, you know, we really used to care about how people felt about us, and we watched what we said, and we watched 
you know, our feelings and we packaged it so that it didn't hurt the other person's feelings. And so what was happening is once again is that we were dousing our own feelings to spare someone else. And it kind of goes back to that self-care thing. And as we grow older, now a lot of us, we grow older and we speak our minds. I still say we require a filter (laughs) so that we recognize how to frame it, okay? And so what I've learned is I've become more deliberate in my conversations. I take time now to say what I was, what I'm, to filter it in my own mind, you know, to say what I'm getting ready to speak out loud in my head before I throw it out there. And then I package it in a way whereas if it comes off as offensive, that was not the intention. So I'm more intentional in my conversations as to recognizing that you can say things without being so blunt and so direct. And it goes back to learning how to filter before you speak. Another thing that I realize is that, you know, um, a lot of stuff that used to matter to me, like material things, those things don't matter anymore. Now I'm in the process of saying, look at all of this stuff that I accumulated and I think going through my mother's belongings and my husband's belongings when they passed, it sort of let me see how much stuff we hold on to in life that our kids are going to probably wind up throwing away because what they like is not necessarily what we like. They'll hold on to a few mementos in that, but all of this stuff that we cherished, I was looking through some things the other day, and I'm still holding on to pictures that my daughter, who's 42 years old, drew for me when she was, like, in kindergarten. I got their report cards, all of that stuff, you know. And the thing is is that you learn how to do more with less and start minimizing. When my husband passed and my daughters moved out, they got married, I was still stuffing the cabinets for seven years like they were coming home for dinner. My refrigerator, my cabinets, and all of that. And so those are the things that as women, because, again, it goes back to the caregiving and the family role and all of that, those are habits that, I have learned to break, and those are things that I learned. Another thing I have to tell you that I have been somewhat of a a shoe hoarder. And so now that I'm looking at, you know, downsizing and I'm making the decision on what to throw away and what to keep so that my daughters don't have to sit and feel guilty, oh, she would have wanted us to keep this. So I'm making that decision for them, but I also, as I'm doing this, looked at, I have two closets full of nothing but shoes, and the irony is is that most of them are black. So <laughs> those are the things that, you know, that I am seeing, even when it comes to, like, being by myself, 
what I've also learned is I now have a greater respect for the me time. Now, I don't know if that had to do with the caregiving that I did or if I'm just growing older and I'm learning to like myself, or maybe this is just the first time I've had an opportunity to get acquainted with myself. So you know, whatever you know, it is, it's wonderful that that that's your that you're looking at that and valuing that. We're running a little bit out of time here, so I wanted to just okay. add to that, and that is, in terms of as you grow older, not caring so much about what other people think or trying to be right. like other people or whatever. Years ago, I interviewed several women who were going through middle age they weren't and they and we were looking at okay how how are you different what what changed you and that was one of the things that came came through women felt stronger they felt that they were more positioned within themselves in terms of who they were what they had to offer to other people and in choice and not really caring to please other people in the way or to keep up with the Joneses kind of thing. It was about really living more vibrantly their own lives, and that's important. So we are getting to that final hour, Shirley Williams. Can you share with our audience what you want to tell them about you, that how to connect with you, how to find you? Well... First, let me thank you for the opportunity to come on and just rattle on with you. I hope that some of the things that I said will be a uh, help to others out there. And uh, what, uh, what I do is I am basically a coach uh, who helps women and men, but mostly women, uh, refine their visions in life and, and kind of, you know, dig down deep and think about the dreams that they have that have gone unfulfilled and to let you know that it's never too late to excavate those dreams. And so my company is Leadership in Action. My mantra is moving from goals to accomplishments. Uh, So that's what we do in our vision board trainings. And uh, I am also a uh, behavioral consultant with uh, DISC, personality insights and what it is is it's a self-discovery assessment and training that we go through as well as once we understand ourselves we're able to understand others and so through that uh, workshops that I do uh, we learn why other people respond to us the way they respond to us and how to respond better or communicate better with one another. I also do care. how can they how can they connect with you? Okay, you can reach me on LinkedIn and uh, also on uh, Twitter and Facebook, and that's Author Shirley at leadershipinaction.com. I'm sorry, dot .info, dot .info. <laughs> and my, if you want to call me and talk to me personally, my call-in number is 888-926. Nine nine one one. Thank you again for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for being a wonderful guest and colleague and 
Have a beautiful and blessed day, and thanks for all that you do and for everything that you shared with with us and with our listeners today. Okay, thank you for having me. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. So think about what we talked about today and everything that Shirley talked about in terms of caregiving and and what we have to offer, and not only to ourselves, and remember to take care of yourselves, and, and take one step forward today, at least one, maybe more, into really honoring who you are and the gifts that you bring to the table, not only for yourself, but for others. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.